This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That Absolute delight to be joined by Jonathan Grade on the show today. Jonathan's written an incredible book called Galazzo, the Football Italia Years. Football Italia, as many of the listeners to Football CFB know, is just such an iconic show. Jonathan, through his book, gives a first-hand account of the iconic production. There's insight into what it was like working with James Richardson. We talk about Kenneth Wollstenholm as well, who was an institution on that iconic show. And of course, we have to talk about Paul Gascoigne, as we will. To think Jonathan Channel 4 swooped to pick up those rights for just £1.5 million. Just before we start, tell me how that process came about. Well... The whole thing was quite under the radar because obviously Gaza's transfer to Lazio had been very on-off for quite a length of time and no one really knew when he was going to be joining and eventually after he overcame that that awful injury he got in the cup final, he joined in the summer of 92. And obviously that was the same summer the Premier League launched in the United Kingdom. And back then there'd been no European continental football on television really in the UK let alone on terrestrial TV so you had the Premier League which was our main competition but we were we showed up with completely um, unexpectedly and we were offering probably the only live television live football on terrestrial TV but also you know it's free of charge but also it was the best league in the world and just to run a few names past you just as um, Premier League was kicking off and you know, it was a new era for British football. Um, Gaza's move to Lazio was merely the launch pad of our coverage. And if I if I run through these names, these are just a few of the names when we started, like Badger, Zola, Espria, Hullet, Van Basten, Scalacci, Viali, Signori, Mancini, Battistuta, Platt and Gaza. These are names, that are iconic names from that era in Italian football. And we here we were with this contract and we were providing these matches showing these matches with these incredible names on a weekly basis in terms of your involvement i i find it particularly funny when you talk about the meeting that you have and you're, you're sort of building yourself up to ask the question heart pounding is there any chance of, of getting involved and i remember uh, basically they say it would be great to have you on board the money won't be great, but, and as you say in the book, you weren't bothered by that and you were desperate to start your Italian love affair. When, when you made that decision, what were your initial thoughts? Was there a particular way that Channel 4 and yourselves as production staff planned to approach the coverage or did it just grow organically as you got more and more ideas through the likes of Gaza, Des Walker and other, some homegrown players out there? I, to start with, I... I... The first summer before the first season, I'd, um, you know, I'd done some work experience for the company and it was a really, you know, I was 
learning as I went along about Italian football and television. And it was a really lovely vibe in the office. And it was an exciting time. You could just feel it was a really exciting time. And then I went to study abroad for a year. And then I came back to do work experience. And I just thought I, I had no career plan when I, when I came back from um, France. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I was doing work experience for this company and, and I'm a big football fan. And I just saw this as a, maybe an opportunity to um, start a television career. And, um, and I just really got into the, the league and it's just such a glamorous country. And so I just thought, you know what, I've got nothing to lose. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to ask for a job. And now you've never just show up on a work night out and ask for a job. You know, you, they'd have to interview so many people, but, you know, they just took a chance on me and it was, it was just brilliant. It was, I was very, very fortunate. In terms of yourself, your club is Charlton Athletic. So yes. the, the big question is, based on your love of Charlton, when you start working on Italian football, was there a particular club that you were drawn to with similarities to Charlton at all? Um, not really, because it... I mean, Charlton have been up and down. It was quite funny during a lot of our, our a bit of our time on air. Charlton were in, were in the Premier League, but they were very solid as a club and they were well run. But it was, I couldn't really see them in any club. You know, I I went into it and I, you know, I love the football really, and um, I love watching some of the players and there were players I really really admired. Um, Funny enough, they all sort of play tennis play in a similar position, the likes of Del Piero, Zola, Mancini, just such players, such a natural talent, but who who got the most out of their careers and, and you know, legends of the game. And, you know, I sort of followed teams. I, 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 there wasn't any particular team I supported, but I just, I just love the league and I love watching these huge names every week. And when you think of the the names in the league and the characters, it was just an an incredible an incredible time. As 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 you know, we're doing this interview because you've released this book because people are still interested to this day yeah. on that era. You think of the iconic shirts. I mean, Sampdoria's shirt is is, is so iconic for so many uh, people of an era who watched Italian football here in the UK. But you also think of, the, of Juventus. You think of the Milan clubs, Fiorentina. There's just there's just so many um, incredibly attractive Italian clubs that people in the UK to this day are, are still invested in, and and even some of the managers. I mean, for instance, two former England managers in Sven Joran Eriksson and Fabio Capello were were in the league at that time as well. I mean, when you look at the the, the draw that Italian football had for so many people in the UK, you, you mentioned earlier that terrestrial TV was probably a big factor but how much of a factor was the quality of football because it was absolutely sublime Italian football was the place to be oh yeah I mean we were I mean we sold it I guess in many areas as um, it was the only live football on terrestrial television but you know these teams I mean that invincible Milan side finally got beaten that revolution of Juventus under Marcello Lippi um then Capello you know signed off that 95-96 season with the title and was really emotional leaving leaving Milan then you've got the 
you know the resurgence of the of the Roman clubs. I mean, coming from nowhere to win back to back titles because you know winning a title in Rome is not like winning a title in Milan. It is a big big deal. It happens so rarely, and it happened in in back to back years. And you know that the great quality of the league was illustrated by all these different teams winning it. When you when you look back, even before we came on air, you know you had teams like Napoli and Sampdoria winning the league, and then you, you're Milan and Juve was expected, and then you had Roma and Lazio. There was there were so many teams, and some seasons Fiorentina were in with a shout. There were so many teams that could win the league, and but they were all of a really high quality. And you know, it was just um, it was just a phenomenal. It was a phenomenal um, league back then. Still, I mean, it still is. You know, there's still the, the, there've been problems since, but um, it's not where it was. But back then, it really was the pinnacle of of world football. One of the things that that really makes everyone smile, I mean, Paul Gascoigne's a character that makes it, everyone smile at the best of times, but when you look at his time in Italy, the access that, that Football Italia you were able to get with Gaza was just sensational. How did you and the team go about building that rapport? Because so many funny moments with Gaza and James Richardson and others. I think James... Um... You know, it all started, we were there at the same time, you know, it all started at the same time. And I think James started with Gaza and they got Gaza doing lots of links. And, you know, just at the start, he he was um, as pivotal as James and in almost like a presenting role around the show. But he, they had a real chemistry between them on screen. You know, they just bounced off each other brilliantly and, um, James could get Gaza to do pretty much anything. The great thing about Gaza was that he never took himself too seriously. And if he had issues, off the field issues, he he really didn't care about, you know, talking, you know, taking the taking the Mickey out of himself. I mean, we had oh so many things. I mean, we had our opening link one week, we had um it was James and Gaza were in a room and the lights were out. And um they just sat there and suddenly the light goes on and Gaz is eating a Mars bar. And, you know, it's like stuff like that, you know, with his, you know, with his weight issues that the club went, they were such strict disciplinarians, these, these clubs, you know, they wanted their play, they expected their players to live a certain way. And I think Gaza found it quite hard to meet those high expectations, but it was all about sports science for clubs like Lazio back then. But, you know, some, some things we did, I mean, they had James, they had Gaza in the, hairdressers wearing a wig pretending to get his hair cut you know letting tires down of it at the training ground you know I mean all sorts of crazy stuff and you know he had some phenomenal people forget how good Gaza was in Italy for a long time you know he had the injury problems but um the middle of his first season middle of his second season he carried that Lazio side for a long time once he once he was match fit he was phenomenal but there were issues on the side and um it was a real roller coaster for him out there but his best was phenomenal and that Rome derby goal was the was the stuff of legend you mentioned the Rome derby what's it like when you're covering those matches that mean so much to the fans in the stadium they mean so much to the 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 the, the community within these cities how how different or how is the approach compared to a UK derby? Because if you're, for instance, covering Manchester United, Liverpool, most people in the UK will know what that rivalry means. But when you're doing a, a big Italian derby, 
how important is it that you can transmit the passion to fans that are maybe more casual? I think um, after that first season, we, the first season we didn't have um, James in the stadium. He he didn't do the live games, but then we he went in the stadium the second season onwards. And you got a real feel for the atmosphere once, you know, we got that, that atmos inside the stadium. And we, we did a feature on the Rome Derby, um, which is in the book, um, when we filmed the Lazio Ultras getting their um, choreography for the Rome Derby. For, for the hardcore fans in Italy, this is, it's almost as important putting on the show, outdoing your rivals before kickoff, the whole choreography display. It's so important for them and their pride in Italy that they can outdo their rivals. But the Ro- there are so many derbies in Italy, but the Rome derby is without doubt the most keenly felt. There's barely a Rome derby without a red card. It is just, it's passion on another level. I would I would compare it to the old firm in, ten- in terms of its intensity because it literally is, um, you know, it's not just local pride. There's genuine sort of, you know, um, raw passion, raw emotion. And so many years, so many matches at the start of our contract were like nil-nil, one-all draws, because the fear of losing, team Lazio and Roma, if it was level, they were terrified of just risking it and going for the win because defeat was absolutely unthinkable. I mean... If you lost the derby and lost it badly, the ultras would come to the training ground and throw eggs, throw tomatoes at you. I mean, it was, it is taken so personally. And, and in terms of that intensity, you're spot on. I mean, Celtic Rangers, obviously being in Scotland, is is incredibly in, intense. And when you describe how those ultras, how those fans would react. It, it just it screams of, of a similar intensity and a similar similar vigour from, from the crowd. As, as well as getting James into the stadiums, which was crucial, crucial in terms of atmosphere, an aspect of the show that I'm sure you've been told many times that really pleased the viewers was the fact that, and I'm assuming it was intentional, you were able to bring a bit of Italy to everyone's living room back here in the UK. You went to Sardinia, you went to Venice, you went to Verona, Bari, just to name a few. Just just what was it like going to these places and showing people in the UK a part of Italy and Italian culture as well as the football that they'd never seen before? Well, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I, I we were all pretty much based in London, so James would be out filming all week in Italy with his crew and then we get all the rushes back at the end of the week um but you know we try we try um and make it like people were seeing Italy people especially on Gazetta people being brought Italian ambience and these beautiful cities into your living room every Saturday morning we um yeah Sardinia was one of the many um locations we went to we even went to Sicily we did an interview with um, Toto Scalacci he ran a soccer school in Palermo so we we did a whole a whole feature there and, and James would always film make sure he filmed beautiful GVs you know if the air if we were somewhere different so we get some beautiful sort of um coastal scenery or whatever in Sicily and when we went to Bari, you know, we f- we did a piece on Antonio Cassano when he came through at Bari. So we go down there. We went all over this and the whole Venezia thing, when they went up to Syria, we we had James doing links on, on a gondola, I think it was. I mean, it was just, um, 
you know, it's just, um, we want to give a flavor of the country. I think one year we did a feature on Palmer and we had Lorenzo Minotti, the Palmer captain, taking James around Palmer. And we were, we were editing and we were thinking, it's, this looks like a travel guide to Palmer, doesn't it? But it was, people loved it. People loved seeing places that they wouldn't necessarily see like Palmer in, brought into their living room. You know, they're, they're just to see these places. And I think also when he does his news roundup, it was not so much always about the papers and the ice cream. It's about watching the world go by and where he was and you just the Italian fashion, the culture. That was another element to it. You mentioned the papers, you mentioned the ice cream. We're desperate to know, did he regularly eat the ice cream? And just on James, what was he like on screen and also off screen? Because from the outside looking in, he is such a refreshing character. Yeah. Um, do you know what? I'm assuming the ice creams got eaten because they were there. And then when he finished his, pe his um, features, obviously we wouldn't see him devouring whatever it was. So... I'm hoping they were eaten. I don't know whether they were just for effect, but I'm hoping they were eaten. James was brilliant. I mean, um, he picked out on his news, I called it News of the Week, um, News Roundup, whatever you want to call it. He was very clever because he didn't just um, pick the obvious stories. He delved deep into all the, the Italian newspapers, the sports newspapers, to um, to get some sort of other other stories and you know, just different stories and not necessarily from Serie A, you know, he'd, um, and he'd, he'd just have these incredible one-liners with some of the stories and um, he'd react to them with facial expressions and uh, he, he was a natural in the role because he could, he had the, 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 um, the funny element to his character, which people loved, but he knew about, he obviously knew the league really well and he sort of, he was a perfect mix of the two because he was funny and knowledgeable. And when the two met, it was, it created, this is what made Gazessa what it was. It was the a perfect combination of James's brilliant witticism and his knowledge. A character who James had a really good and, and really humorous rapport with. Um, and this, this guy's no stranger to English football and UK football as well. Gianluca Viali, what was it like when you were able to work with Luca? Because he's someone who just came across very well on the shows. He was brilliant. Actually, one of the one of the best features we did with him was um, the season Juve won the league in 94-95. And um, um, James had Viali, because obviously Viali had no hair. James had Viali in a blonde wig and... Um, the opening link of the show says, um, have you, James is standing next to this man with this blonde wig on. He says, have you seen Gianluca Viali? He says, no. Are you sure? Where is Gianluca Viali? He says, he shrugs his shoulders. He says, well, tell Gianluca when he gets here, he's late. He's a great footballer, maybe, but it's time for Ken. And literally, as soon as James finishes delivery, Gianluca Viali whips off his wig and says, that was close, Ken. And then Ken would bounce off that. And it, it was just this dynamic of everyone being so entertaining and Ken playing that role as well. He he back ref to what Viali had done. And it it was just it was just a real smooth, slick operation, but it, it works so well with the end. Getting these players to do these comical scenes, which 
I cannot imagine now you get Lionel Messi to do some entertaining, mischievous link on a show. It, it just wouldn't happen. And it was the perfect time for the show and it was the perfect show. And it, it just worked together so well in that era. Not only the footballers, though, Jonathan, as you well know, Elvis Costello even drops in as a guest, um, Paul Heaton and others as well. Just, just what was it like when you were able to get these moments? Because just surreal. I know, it's mad. Um, we got Elvis Costello in to do the Genoa Derby one year, and he he was obviously a big football fan because he went to see um, the Juventus match at Fiorentina the day before. He was going on about how he loved you know, he loved Italian football. He went to Florence, <laughs> went to Florence for a couple of days, then came over to Genoa to work on the live game. And, you know, and this is the other thing about James. He was so off the cuff and so brilliant with how he could, um, how he could deal with different situations. So when he was going through the halftime scores, he was doing, he was referring to Elvis songs the whole time. I mean, it was just, someone got sent off, um, and he say, oh, I suppose accidents will happen and a great win, a great result so far for Oliveira's army. And it was every every score he went through was a reference to an Elvis Costello song. And, and he would say, the checks in the post, is it? <laughs> it's just brilliant. It was just so funny because he had that ability to make people laugh, but know exactly what he was talking about. And it, it, it was brilliant. And having these guys on the show, having such big names, not... Obviously, we had football stars from from the past on, but having such um, high-profile names was just really resonated with the viewers, and it was it created a whole different angle from an entertainment point of view. We talk about James on air. A few other characters we have to talk about have mentioned um, briefly. Kenneth Wollstoneholm. I mean, his dulcet tones, as 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 you refer to him in the book, were were absolutely fantastic on the airwaves. And Peter Brackley, of course, as well, was was instrumental on the coverage too. What was it like working with those two guys? Because they're just iconic voices. And the gist I get from reading the book, they're iconic people as well. They're, they're people that you want to spend time with and you would enjoy spending time yeah, with. Yeah, I mean, Ken and Peter were just, as you can imagine, they would be away from being on 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 tv that ken was just fascinating he he literally had had such an incredibly um varied life you know he'd he'd been you know he he was young and then he was fighter pilot in the war and having to, i mean having to deal with stuff like you know being in a being in a plane with someone who who then you know gets um his head blown off or you know, it's just, it's just terrifying stuff he went through. And um, he recovered from all of that. He must have been, had mental scars for God knows how many years after that. And he made his, he had his incredible career with the B, the, the famous um, World Cup final and endless FA Cup finals. And then he joined us and it was such a scoop. And he was fascinating. I, honestly, I could have listened to Ken talk for hours. He, he was just, he was a football fan, you know. He, he didn't like... Um, way modern football had become you know he didn't like the sort of hatred between clubs that had escalated in 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 what were recent times back then you know the the vitriol between fans he he sort of didn't like and you know but he he loved the game and um he loved working on italian football because it was it was nice for him to come out of retirement and, and just work on the show and he he really 
you could tell he really enjoyed it and he just loved the people he loved the, the team and and it was lovely but Brackers was um was just brilliant because he was a completely different character he was he he played the comedian role to incredible effect he he was an impressionist away from being with us and he he went on shows he stood in for Greavesy on Saint Greavesy one week and he was his voice there was a puppet of Jimmy Greaves he was ill or something and Brackers did the voice for the whole show but he he would just pounce on anyone who made the slightest mistake or just mock anyone whose team lost in a, embarrassingly the day before we all talk about the weekend's games and he would just he, he just wouldn't make us all laugh because he was just he was just such a character. He was a real character, but the nicest guy. Just a lovely, lovely man. As well as the, the talent on screen, we, we, we got to see the likes of James. We got to see the likes of the commentary team. We even got to see and hear from former professionals such as the late Ray Wilkins, Luther Blissett, many others as well. And, and, and that made the show very good and iconic. Crucially, people like yourself and the team behind the scenes had to work incredibly hard. What was it like producing the show from behind the television screen? Well, it was, you know, obviously it was great fun. Our edit day for Gazetta was a Friday, but on a Friday we had we had to obviously cut the show. We had to cut everything, all the VTs for the pre-the pre, pre the live game and, you know, endless loads of um, VTs just to get... we had to get everything cut on the Friday. So the Fridays were, were brutal. So we'd be in at about eight in the morning and some weeks we didn't leave till gone midnight. It was it was a long old day, but it was, you know, it was it was incredible work ethic in the team and everyone had their roles. You know, we mixed things up from week to week. Um, but obviously I progressed through the ranks and I ended up um, being series editor and it was... They were great times, you know, and, and the hours were always long. But the thing is, you, working in TV is not about the glamour. It's um, it's not it's not glamorous. It's just um, it, people think it is, but it's it's a different world behind the scenes. But it, it, it's very if you're into football, to work on a show like that was just wonderful. It was real honour because it was just it was so special to all of us working on that show. We've talked about the fact that it's really seen as the golden era of Italian football, even though the Italian game is still is still very good now and is watched by by so many. But when you think of the great sides that were there during the 90s and you, you think of the really incredible players, I mean, Milan had the, 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 the Dutch influence of, of Hulet, Van Basten, Rijkaard, they obviously are replaced by Wea, Boban, you had Bierhoff at Udinese who was scoring for fun. Luca Viale, Ravanelli, Del Piero, Battistuta, Vieri, Veron, obviously, who came to England, Zidane, Baggio. I mean, I could go on and on. I mean, that's without mentioning the likes of Rui Costa. It was, it was just the most incredible time. And no matter which game that Channel 4, or games that Channel 4 were able to, to broadcast, there was just so much flavour of elite talent and and, and, and as, as, as I keep saying, it's just so fondly, fondly remembered. But what was it like to live in and live through? Oh, it was, you know, it was, we knew the era we worked in for Italian football was a really special era. 
You know, we we knew Italian clubs were dominating in Europe and all these stars were playing. And, you know, whatever game we showed, there were stars. You know, every game, even if it was, um, I don't know, Milan against Bari, you know, you still had for Bari someone like Cassano. You know, you had you had stars. Igor Protti played for Bari. He was Serie A top scorer in a relegated team one year. You know, incredible, incredible talent every week. I mean, it was just, it was phenomenal because you were watching so many stars every week. And, you know, it was, every club had the strength and depth and big names. Every club had huge names. And you haven't even mentioned the original Ronaldo. I mean, that was a massive scoop when he came to Italy. It was a long saga, uh, transfer saga between, um, between Inter and Barcelona. And that was a massive scoop for the league because to have a guy who was then the, the best player in the world play, I mean, people forget about how good he was. He had pace, the likes of which I cannot imagine. He was strong. He had an incredible finish. He was good in the air. He took free kicks. He, was, he had everything. And people often forget about what a player he was at his peak. I think... The, the, a lot of that will come down to obviously Cristiano Ronaldo and the fact that people, for as you say, have kind of forgotten about the influence that he had on the park. I mean, people see him, he's a shareholder out in Spain now, and people see him as, as, as a, in many senses, I think, with the younger generation, a celebrity rather than the superstar footballer that he was. I mean, you mentioned the, the pace and power that he had but he also had the elegance, as you mentioned, through the free kicks, through the the deft touches. I mean, w- would you say he was your favourite player to watch in that era, or do you have an all-time favourite? I think um, Del Piero was my favourite because because I watched him come through. You know, when when we started, he was this little kid. You know, and you watched him take over and Baggio as the whole symbol of Juventus, and he was. And he had injuries. He had a massive injury um, timeout one year and he came back and, you know, he struggled and then he got stronger again. But, um, you know, all these guys, Totti, I mean, just like um, Del Piero Roma, he was the star of his club who never left. Um, but Ronaldo was, was, I mean, something else. He really, he really was an incredible player to watch. And I don't, really feel that he is as appreciated as perhaps he should have been given what he um given what he he gave to Inter and you know that final game our final day when when Inter should have won the league and he was in tears on the bench and he had these he had endless injury problems he just he he really suffered a lot and um he was he was phenomenal though at his in his pomp he really he really had everything if you had to pick, say, three moments that you'd really look back on and think, wow, I'm so glad to have covered that during that era, what would they be? Okay, I think the first one will be that Juventus-Inter game from 98, which you're probably far too young to remember. But um, Ronaldo was body-checked by Juliano, the massive title decider. And referee gave no penalty and went up the other end and he gave a penalty for a lesser offence and absolute chaos reigned at that point. I mean, it was, I mean, it was practically a, 
a fight going on in all all corners of the pitch. I mean, that that whole incident led to fights in Parliament the next day. It was just crazy. Um, I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, that Perugia Juventus game on the final day when there was the flood and the thunderstorm and the match went ahead and Lazio ended up winning the league against all the odds was very memorable. And I think possibly seeing Roma lift the title in, in glorious, glorious early summer sunshine at the Stadio Olimpico and, you know, that team with Totti, Batistuta, Montella and there wasn't a seat to be had and, um, you know, it was the most baking hot day and see Roma lift the title. It was the most incredibly emotional day for the club and it was it was just the perfect stage. It, the Stadio Olimpico swathed in blue sky and just and just to see Totti, Batistuta score goals that, that won them the league was just, was so memorable. In terms of that era, what was it like as, as the show was coming towards the end? Because Channel 4 had the rights, 10 years that Channel 4 had the rights, which is a long time. And it's a, a time that so many people grew up through. And I think that's partly the reason why the show is so, so iconic. It's, it's something that is, is generational for so many people and they long for that show. You guys, you've said it in the book, it was probably up there as the most enjoyable time of your career. So what was it like when it was coming towards the end? Because I imagine if you could press rewind, you would definitely do it. Yeah, I mean, it. it we sort of felt it coming because they'd shown, Channel 4 had shown uh, fewer live games. You know, there were weekends they weren't going going to show like they were doing late night highlights and you know these were big games we were fans were missing out on um because in years gone by they you know they'd moved the schedules around to to put put our live game prime time on a saturday night i mean it was it was amazing and you know um we just sort of felt the way things were going there was hooliganism would made have made a feral comeback racism and it's just the um the golden eras were slipping away the golden years were slipping away and you know and that it was suddenly all about the premier league and la liga and it, it just felt that it had come to a natural end and um that's why i wanted to write the book you know it was to sort of sort of remember that golden time and sort of i felt like there'd never really been closure on on the show looking at that last gazetta it was all sort of are we coming back aren't we coming back and i felt it would be lovely to encapsulate this whole golden era in a book and just sort of as a sort of reference point for people think, oh my God, I remember, I remember that. And just read the book and it's all there and just to just to enjoy that time once again. Last two questions before you go, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah, sure. You, you really encapsulate what it meant working on that show. You, you mentioned at the conclusion of the book, I hope we made a difference and I hope everyone enjoyed it. It was a true honour working on the show. Working on Football Italia was a dream job for me. Quite why they called it work, I'll never know. And just as you say that about working on it, the viewers felt that with the show. It wasn't just a football show. It wasn't just a game of football. It was something that they were invested in. Do you think something like that could ever happen again? Or because of the way football is now, the internet, social media because people have got so much access to leagues all across the world, do you think it will be impossible for anyone to repeat the, the Football Italia years? 
I was just thinking about this and um, I think, I think it'd be very hard to recreate because I think now when you watch football from abroad on, on television, um, you know, apart from Champions League and Europa League matches, there aren't any studios or there's no presentation on site of, of any of these games. It's literally they put the world feed to air and they have commentators in a booth in London or wherever just guiding you through the action and filling with highlights at half time. People just don't. People just don't put the money in, and I, I think people just don't have the budgets, especially now, to to do a show like like Gazetta. And people are buying. If you watch um, Serian, I think it's on Premier Sports now. They the highlight show they put out is something that it's an English language show that Italians put out and sell around the world. That's the way. That's the way it is now. I I, I just don't think financially um, companies are prepared to put that much into the production when they can just buy a cheap product from, from Italy and just put that to air. I've been very conscious in the interview, Jonathan, not to cover every single major moment of those years because I think it's important that if you're listening to this now that you go and buy the book, Galazzo, the Football Italia Years. Jonathan gives you the first-hand account of working on the show. He goes into detail on all the big moments all the iconic teams, the iconic players, the iconic talent on screen and off screen. And it's important that you read the full story from Jonathan himself. He's given you a tremendous flavour tonight. He's given me a tremendous flavour tonight. But really, please go and buy this book because you will not regret it. I was saying to Jonathan off air, I've not been able to put it down since it arrived. And I've, I've literally made headway on it like I haven't with, with many other books. So just before you go, Jonathan, Thank you for coming on the show and please remind us where we can buy the book. Yes, um, so it's on sale, Golazzo, the Football Italia Years. It's on Amazon and it's available on, on from the Kindle store. It's $9.99 for the paperback, $7.99 for an ebook, and it is available. Very good Christmas present or in the new year. It's, uh, it's you know, it's a, it, I say it myself, it's a very good read and it's, it's um, it, especially the times we're going through at the moment, it's sort of, a sort of flashback to a sort of a happier era for us all. It absolutely is. And, and, and as I say, genuinely, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for the book and for very kindly signing it for me. I really will treasure this because it was an era of football that even someone of my age of 25 look back, so looks back on fondly because when I was growing up, my cousins, uncles were always telling me, you need to watch this show. You need to look back at these players, this era. And that's the way I feel with football in the 80s and 90s. Although I'm, I'm only 25, I love the era of football from the 80s right through to the late 90s, early 2000s. And, and for me, football Italia is as good as it gets. So once again, Jonathan, thank you so much for your time. No worries. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be 